Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of The Labelled Podcast with me, Alice, and my wonderful co-host, Lucy. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, nothing exciting to report this end. It's no. it's quite nice to just everything's kind of normal, ticking yeah. along. Yeah. Yes. Don't speak too soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'll get downstairs and discover the washing machine has exploded and the dishwasher's yeah. caught fire and the cat's escaped and is living wild in the streets. Um but at the moment, all our present, yeah, all our present is <laughs> yeah. good stuff. Mm. We're joined by a guest today, really excited to be talking to our guest today. I am realising now as I speak that I should have checked the pronunciation of his surname, but we have got Tyler. Um, Tyler, I'm not going to butcher it. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience so that uh, they know how to say your name? Absolutely. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Lucy, for having me. Uh, my name is Tyler Witkowski. Um, I tell people it's three words, wit, cough, and ski. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not too too hard when you break it down like that. But yeah, my name, like I said, my name's Tyler, and I am a multi-genre author. I am a publisher, an entrepreneur, a blogger, and also a podcaster. I wear a lot of hats, jack of all trades, master of none, but better than a master of one is what mm -hmm. I like to say. Um, <laughs> my, my journey with mental health started back in 2015 and uh, when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and generalized anxiety. Most recently in uh, 2023, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and PTSD on top of those. Uh, I, I've tried to use my journey and my experiences as lessons for other people through my writing, through my entrepreneurship, through my blogging and podcasting to give people hope because I know what it's like to feel so alone at your very lowest. Um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that people don't feel that way, don't feel the way that I felt for so long and give them that kind of hope. I also battled a lot of addiction and undiagnosed mental illness in college, and it was just a rough combination. And I overcame that to become an award-winning marketing and communications professional and entrepreneur and published author. It's, it's brilliant. It sounds like you've got a, a lot of sort of... Um like you say a, a lot you've got a lot of hats there uh, which is what we like on labeled you know we we yeah. called the show what we called the show because we wanted to say well you know we are um more than just the the diagnoses that people give us we are more than just the conditions that we have we are a combination of different things and 
and you know you gave us a list there of your accomplishments your conditions your experiences i i like it i think uh, i think it's a, a nice approach to take thank you yeah i just i always try to be a difference maker in other people's lives you know because like i said earlier i know what it's like to be alone and to feel like you're the only one going through this you know music and art in general and you know writing is such a great way to express yourself but also to make other people feel like they're not alone and it was just kind of a natural thing for me whenever my grandmother you know my grandmother was a english teacher and later my elementary school principal so i just always had a love for writing and whenever I decided wow. to write a book, I was like, you know, that's that's the thing. I'm going to make it. My art is going to be in, inspirational and make a difference. What age were you, Tyler, when you first wrote, wrote like wrote, wrote your first book or and sort of got into the artistic sort of, creative yeah. side of life? Started writing. I was 23 yeah. when I published my first book. Um, but I, I really started, I've been writing since I was a child. Like I said, my grandmother, I spent a lot of time in the school system with her. And back then you didn't have Game Boys and, you know, tablets and phones that you played on. You had pen and paper, the outdoors. And uh, you can't really, as a five, four or five-year-old kid running around with all the high schoolers, <laughs> so outdoors. So you got to <laughs> kind of take to the pen and paper. And I fell in love with it, um, but really kind of fell out of love with it as high school hit and college because so much technical writing and I got bored of it. So I actually moved back in with my grandmother in late 2018 um, because we, my wife and I were waiting for our house to be built. And she asked me one day, she said, are you still writing? And I told her, I was like, no, I kind of got burnt out from it. And she just made a simple request. She was like, will you write me something? And that's how my first novella came about that I published uh, in 2019, oh, Not wow. Alone. It was kind of inspired by her. That's an incredible sort of origin story for your novella. I yeah, isn't it just? Yeah. It's sort of like it took your grandmother to sort of like give you the sort of rocket to, to go and, you know, write something down. And that, that must be you know such a you must look back on it and think that's such a great accomplishment and I've got you know a family to thank for it and stuff like that that's amazing yeah and my my mom's side of the family has always been uh you know very inspiring and very motivational for me I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and my mm -hmm. grandfather as a child um, my grandfather who passed away in uh middle 2023 he uh, was my best friend and my grandma is my best friend and they just they helped raise me and my brother from a very young age while my mom was a single mom doing you know all of her work and trying to raise us and make money for us and provide us with the best life and you know my grandparents have just been huge inspirations for me because they those are some of the happiest memories I have from my childhood. My childhood wasn't the greatest. I, I went through a lot of trauma as a child, which is where the PTSD and the borderline personality disorder comes from. And, uh, you know, what I, I, I still look back on those, those memories with my grandmother and especially whenever I'm having a hard mental health day and, you know, I'll pull out the candles or bake something with my wife that reminds me of being at my grandmother's house when I was little to kind of transport me back to that time and calm me down and bring me mm -hmm. back to a, a better headspace than I was that day. That's really nice. I know from my own sort of 
ups and downs of mental health one of the things that has always really helped me is is having that kind of anchoring me either in a moment or or in in the moment that I am in so um you know I think that that a lot of people get that say from writing by reflecting and and drawing that kind of creativity but also like say in, in baking and in in surrounding yourself with the familiar smells and textures it's um I think that can be really cathartic and really kind of um soothing hmm yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I actually I, I call it sensory therapy. I don't know if it's if it has a clinical term or if that's I'm just making it up. I, it's just what I call it. But, you know, I like to rely on my senses whenever I get into that, you know, grabbing onto a squish mellow and just squishing it or hugging my dog or hugging my wife. Yeah. Um, the taste of food, the smell of candles, you know, the mountains. I love mountainous smells because I'm a big mountain person. I'm from the beach, but I love the mountains. <laughs> so I spend yeah, a lot of time, yeah. uh, you know, smelling those mountain smells to bring me back to whenever I used to go up there with my grandparents as a kid. Um, you know, using mm -hmm. things like taste, tasting those brownies that me and my grandmother used to make, the Duncan Hines brownie, you know, just something simple like mm -hmm. that. And I just, I love being able to transport myself back to a simpler mm -hmm. time. Absolutely. It's, um, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're sort of talked about, you've talked quite, um, nostalgically about about your past um but then also sort of shared that, that there was some some trauma there and that that's stuff you've carried forward how, how how do you feel you know you've you've successfully managed to hold on to those positive memories uh in spite of there being you know some some real negativity kind of moving through them as well yeah um therapy has been huge for me to overcome my trauma um, I started grief therapy early 2023 after my grandfather passed away and it kind of developed into trauma therapy and I was able to learn a lot of coping mechanisms. Um, I, I lost my brother-in-law in 2020 um, due to an ac a car accident and, you know, it really changed my life and I want it to be a different person and make a difference in other people's lives and do the things that he was inspired to do. And that's when I made the decision to become a better person. I wanted to become the best version of myself and I really decided to get into therapy again. I, I went to therapy in the beginning of my diagnosis and then just kind of with the stigma that followed around it kind of felt ashamed and stopped going and decided I was going to handle it on my own and then earlier this year I just decided that I couldn't do it I needed to if I was going to make this commitment to be the best version of myself I needed to get all the help I could get from the professionals from the people who um, knew what they were doing I'm a I was a big person who hated going to the doctor and now I'm scheduling doctor's appointments and going to the emergency room when things pop up and, you know, just trying to make those differences mm. in my life and become an all around better person is what got me back into therapy. And that's what helped me overcome my trauma. Um, and without mm. those valuable lessons and techniques that I learned from therapy, I'd still be struggling with my trauma. I think that, I think dealing with things when they pop up is a great thing to do. Now, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but I have only just recently, I have only just recently recognised that actually 
like I suffer with a lot of pain because I'm in a wheelchair for most of the day. So by about sort of like six o'clock, seven o'clock, I am ready for a lie down. <laughs> Me and Alice were talking about it earlier. Um, and I not, but like, so when I'm in a lot of pain, I don't really like taking tablets for it. So I would just like sit there with this pain in my body. And I'm like, what? why won't it go away? It won't go away because you've not taken any painkillers. That's why. <laughs> and I think I'm recognizing now that if I take the painkillers when it starts to hurt, it won't hurt for as long. And it's such a stupid thing. But like you say, dealing with these, dealing with these problems and things that may be bothering you when they are bothering you instead of sitting on it is you know I'm talking about the physical thing but for you I suppose dealing with your mental health when those problems crop up is the easiest way to to sort of keep on top of it and it's like whack-a-mole isn't it like oh no <laughs> like that kind of thing if could try to keep keep everything like calm and you know so you can carry on with what rather than sort of like letting it get on top of you and then not being able to function in my case not being able to function because everything's hurting it's just being able to deal with it there and then is the best way forward take my advice listeners (laughs) 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 Um, i think i think it's interesting because i think there's so much um there's so much stigma It's, it's exactly the right word tyler is there is so much stigma around getting help and yeah it's it's sort of when you you break it down and you say well i'm i'm in pain whether that's physical pain or emotional pain why why wouldn't you do something about it it seems silly to not do something about and and sometimes it that can be as simple as taking some time for yourself uh you know taking some over-the-counter pain medication doing having a meditation things like that sometimes it means reaching out to a professional but mm-hmm. it i don't i don't see to me it doesn't sort of compute why people would say well i you know that that to them feels like weakness because surely if you can deal with the pain you know if if a boxer or an mma fighter has got a headache they take some you know they take they take some medication and then they can get in the ring and they can fight and they can be tough and they can you know yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me why people see asking for help getting help whether that is medication whether that is therapy whether that is you know seeking professional intervention it it, it just doesn't compute to me why there is this idea that, that that's that is a not a good thing you know mm. I think for me, the biggest struggle, you know, coming up with that was I grew up in the southern United States and there is a very small mindset um, where people are limited in their thinking. There are quite a bit of stigmas towards a lot of different, you know, not just mental health, but you hear about racism and bigotry and sexism, and it's very prevalent down here still. Um, which is part of the reason that me and my wife uh, decided to sell our house and move into an RV and just travel across the United States full time just to kind of get away from that bigotry. And this, and it also helps with my mental health because I'm able to yeah. get away from all of that and be able to have a fresh start, be around people who are more open minded and who are more like me and understand me better. Yeah. 
Mm. And I think it is all about that societal pressure, isn't it? I think it's where most people's um, reluctance to go to the doctor and seek help comes from. It doesn't, you know, it comes from inside because the outside world has got these these perceptions that it it makes you weak. It means that there's there's a problem. It means there's something wrong with you. And yeah, you know, that does all come from from real deep set sort of bigotry and and prejudices. Do you think as well, Alice, that, you know, people people like me, you and Tyler, me and you specifically as disabled, you know, disabled people are sort of more open and like this needs to be fixed. Like I can't function like this anymore. Yeah. Because of our disability, we're more open to going, actually, can you sort this out, please? Because I have enough to deal with it as it is. I can't have this kick it off as well. Well, and it's the, we are more prone to, people with, you know, health conditions across the board are more prone to being debilitated by an Mm. issue. Not, you know, not because um, necessarily that the, the, the issue itself but it's the you know for me if I'm having a bad eye day I I can't function at all I can't get out of bed I you no. know it's it's migraines I can't do anything and if I have that start getting those regularly I just don't I have no quality of life at all and yeah I can try all the warm baths and soothing music and you know saline drops that I like if it's not going to make it go away then I know that I have to find somebody to go I I need someone to fix this because I yeah. I can't exist like that. And I think yeah. that there are probably people who, who don't have the same experiences with, um, you know, health conditions, disabilities, mental illness, who don't, don't know that that's an actual possibility that you yeah, could just lose, exactly. lose six weeks of your life suddenly. Yeah. And there's nothing yeah. you can do about and it. it. And it also makes me think that if people, if people had to experience what people like us here have to experience, like the pain we're in, you know, the difficulties we have just to get out of bed in the morning sometimes, that if they had to experience that on a regular basis like we do, the world would end within like two weeks. I can't do anything. I'm sorry. I've got a headache. I can't do anything. I, you know, like they, the world would implode because everybody would be it like, would I can't do it. Whereas, whereas, whereas we like, we have lives and we have things to do and, you know, jobs to go to and things like that. And you think to yourself, if I give into this, there is, you know, I I won't be able to go to work and I won't you know have a job and all this kind of, and you think if if non-disabled people or people who are r- relatively healthy and lead quote unquote a normal life that if they had to experience a te- even a tenth of what we go through they'd be like the, the, it's like it's a bit like when London <laughs> gets snow like northerners we're like yes yeah, it's snowing there's six inches but i'm still coming to work whereas london gets snow and the whole it's like the world's ending it's the that's how i see it it's just i think like that reluctance to go something is hurting me whether physically or mentally i need to get it sorted is you think that's just it's silly i think stop you're, being you're, silly you're, I think your north is showing a bit loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soft um, southerners. <laughs> I am, um, 
It makes me think of, I have an older family member who um, at one point was having some very significant work stress and wasn't sleeping and developed a really strange twitch and really yeah they went to the gp about it and the gp had a long conversation with them they came home with a prescription and and now my family member tell when they tell this story they say they i think this will tell you a lot about this particular family member they refer to the (laughs) doctor as a quack but they said the quack didn't tell me what she was giving me and so they came home with this prescription and they googled it and it was an antidepressant um and he was like well i'm not taking that (laughs) <laughs> and I sort of said, so you're going to continue to not sleep and have a weird twitchy eye that means you can't look at anything or watch TV or you, like read a book or any like look at your phone for long periods. <laughs> and just just what it's just going to go away on its own, is it? Just... <laughs> I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Honestly, I'm fine. Like yeah. twitching. It's, just, like... I'm just, it, it, it's exactly that. And I can remember at the time thinking like. Do you? It's it's almost like um like satire, you know. Is, yeah. Do you hear yeah, yeah, yourself? Yeah. Do you hear what you are saying? <laughs> this is it is nonsensical what you are saying. Yeah. A, put, smash yourself in the face with a custard pie. It's more likely to help than what you are doing. Yeah. Um, but it God is. God love them. But but it, there it is that it is that absolute detachment from you know and why, why go to the doctor in the first place if you're then just gonna go well, i'm not doing that like you don't know what you're talking about doctor that i went to see doctor who <sighs> the amount of doctors who i see who like tell me to do something so i try it like because i'm gonna i'm gonna take the doctor's advice thank you very much and then i go back for a follow-up appointment and they go i'm really impressed that you followed my advice and i'm like of, of course i followed your advice i'm not gonna go i'm actually what i'm gonna what's gonna sort this is a herbal tea <laughs> i'll be fine do you know what i mean it's like of course i've taken your advice and and like we've talked on this show about some of the problems with the you know the medical system the 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 medical mm. model of disability is still very strong um and that is a problem the attitude of a lot of doctors towards disabled and sick people is really quite debilitating you know can be more debilitating than the condition itself but you do think <laughs> you know it's like you say you, you you kind of you give it a go even if you're like i don't think this is going to work you give it a go and and yeah there's a difference i think between going i'm not actually going to listen to the doctor because the doctor doesn't know what they're talking about because i don't actually want to sit here and accept the fact that i may need antidepressants Mm -hmm. versus somebody who like goes to the doctor and the doctor misdiagnoses them or treats them badly yeah did you find tyler with your kind of journey to getting a diagnosis for your mental health how what was that experience like for you obviously we've got quite different healthcare systems um between the us and the uk was was it a long journey for you um it was a i was misdiagnosed whenever i was younger as a cyclothymic and which is like a form of bipolar but to a lesser extent so at that point, they didn't give me any medication. They didn't 
follow up. They didn't send me to a psychiatrist. This was just my primary care doctor. And they just said, oh, you'll be fine. Live with it. And it wasn't until late 2015 when I tried to commit suicide um, that I decided to actually go to a therapist and, you know, try to figure this out. And the therapist actually referred me to a uh, psychiatrist. So once I got to the psychiatrist, um, that's when I got my official bipolar and uh, depression, anxiety disorder uh, diagnosis. And it, from there, it's been pretty smooth. Um, I, I think I've been one of the lucky ones uh, that I've had good psychiatrists. I've only had two psychiatrists in the past 10 years that I've been or eight, eight years, eight years that I've been going to the doctor for it. Um, and they've both been wonderful, both been great. The one that I'm going to now, I've been going to for about six years. So she's kind of been, she knows me really well. Um, but there are a lot of horror stories that I've heard from other people. And I think the biggest challenge is that a lot of these psychiatrists don't take insurance. So <clears throat> we're stuck paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars per visit out of pocket. Um, and it, it's it's very hard to afford, especially if you're going twice a month or once a week. You know, you can't afford two hundred and fifty dollars per visit going every month. Yeah. Especially if you've got a condition that impacts your mental health, that means maybe you can't work consistently, right. and you can't. You know, so where where are you supposed to get that money from? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the the disability system here is uh, broken. So is unemployment system and things like that. But that's another topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, don't don't that's get me started two. on welfare systems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, topic, a red rag to a ball, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Did you did you feel did, like Tyler when you got your official diagnosis? Was it like oh that explains everything or yeah I already knew? Was it a relief? Did you think right okay now we can get as now somebody's listening let's crack on and see if we can get me in a sort of state where it doesn't it's not you know it's not hurting as much anymore that kind of thing or was it kind of like well I already knew that. Well, it was more of um, I was really nervous because I wasn't sure um, how this was going to change my life. I wasn't sure how it was going to impact me. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there's so much stigma that goes around mental illness, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the southern United States, that I was afraid of what other people would think of me, of what people would, how people would judge me and how they would see me differently. But it took me a while Eventually, I realized that, you know, this is a life changing event, but in a good way, because now I can get on medication, I can get the treatment that I need, I can, you know, just imagine everything I've accomplished up to this point with an undiagnosed mental illness. Now imagine what you can accomplish going forward with a diagnosed and a treatment um, plan for your mental illness. And that was really the turning point in my early years was that kind of realization and being able to say, I'm going to be better now because of this diagnosis. 
you know, I've lived with it this long. It's not like I just, you know, it's not like the flu or a cold where you just get it one day and, you know, then it's gone in a couple of days. You know, you, you pretty much most mental illness you live with for your entire life. Um, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing was I realized that I'm going to be better now and help more people. I love I really like that attitude, that um, that statement of, you know, look at what I achieved up to now without the diagnosis, yeah. without all the support that comes with that. It just it's it's uh, throwing the, the doors wide, isn't it? And going just try and stop me now. I love that. Yeah. It's like rocket fuel for your life, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like, there's no stopping me now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you kind of what you have achieved since you got your diagnosis? Tell us about some of the things that you've done. Yeah. So um, I, after my diagnosis, which was my last year in college, my last semester in college, actually, um, I met my current wife. And I finally had got like a good combination of medicine when I met her and took that as a sign that, you know, she was the one that was here. She was my angel that came down to save me uh, from the darkness. Mm -hmm. So I, I got her and that's probably the most important thing to me personally. But I have also taken several positions, um, high positions at young ages. You know, I was 21 whenever I first took on the role of public information officer for a local government. Uh, and that was, you know, a huge thing. I was the youngest um, local government PIO in the state and wow. was winning. Uh, I won an award every year for the first six years that I was there um, before I left wow. to start my own uh, business. And I run two businesses now, Tea with Coffee Media, which is an indie publisher, and the Witkowski Company, which is a nonprofit marketing and communications agency. I've also published uh, four books with two planned for 2024, um, maybe three if I can get to it, get cracking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I've been able to successfully create an author brand, a blog, um, do podcasts, run my social media accounts and just make a difference in the world, um, you know. Besides my wife, one of the biggest mm -hmm. accomplishments that I've been able to do is having people reach out to me after they've read my books or seen a podcast appearance and tell me, you know, you've made a difference in my life. Your story has made me realize that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only one going through this. And it has been such a powerful feeling and such a rewarding feeling. It sets all of the awards, all of the books I've published, you know, it they don't even touch this feeling of um you know making a difference in people's yeah. lives i think both alice and i can sort of relate to that because uh you know we we set this podcast up it was like a, a lockdown project during covid and i don't think i think i i speak for myself but i don't know about you alice i don't think we really realized like there are a few people that come up to us or leave us like messages on our social media to do with the podcast and they'll say you know I really like listening to you two I found it like a source of comfort I, I feel like I'm talking you know listening to friends and I that always moves me I feel incredibly moved when I hear those stories because like to me and Alice this is just me and my mate sat having a chat with other really interesting people I don't think when we're recording episodes that that 
is always at the forefront of our mind of where you know we're supporting other people but it's so nice to hear about the impact that even if it's a small little impact of how how we are helping other disabled people either newly diagnosed long-term diagnosed people find somewhere where they can feel like oh yeah that they I, they understand what I'm going through or they've been through similar I think it's so nice and it, it motivates me to keep going because let me tell you putting a podcast together is hard work um <laughs> but yeah it definitely it definitely motivates me and keeps me going I don't know about you Alice I think what's particularly kind of resonates for me as well is is that for me one of the things I did always for a very long time uh, feel very isolated and uh, misunderstood and didn't know didn't see anybody else around who was like me didn't feel like there was anybody else in the world who who could um who could see me the way that I wanted to be seen the, as the the person that I wanted to to be uh, and the biggest thing for me was finding a community who understand even if it's not people who have got the same exact experiences even the same you know disability Lucy and I've got very different disabilities and our the things that kind of practically we have difficulty mm. with are very different but there is a sense of not feeling alone that yeah. has come from this podcast and that has come from the messages from our audiences and I think it's that to me like you say Tyra it feels like this is this is worth all the hard work because if if I can help if if I know how important not feeling alone is to me if I can give that to one other person then yeah. my I've, I've done it's worth it you know and it's like you say Alice like our disabilities are very very different but it's I always find it amazing how I will tell you something about something to do with my disability and you just get you get it straight away even if it's like we, we've got well you know my legs don't work your eyes don't work it's not, that's how different it is but you mm -hmm. like you get it and it's the same it's the same for for you I would I would hope that when you tell me like something's bothering you or you know this is really pissed me off today or whatever I I get it I understand it and it's 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 like it's like an unwritten code almost of yeah I know it's shit in it <laughs> like yeah I know <laughs> even having somebody to go even having somebody there to go yeah I know it's a bit crap in it this like it just makes you feel like even if it's not offering advice like have you tried yoga yeah. have you tried herbal tea just somebody to go I am feeling really crap today and somebody go yeah I know it's shit isn't it being disabled is a bit shit sometimes just makes you feel it certainly makes me feel better when you go Yes, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. No, that's, that's that's the nail on the head. I think for me is the it's the it the big part of not feeling feeling seen for me was that so much of the disability content that I was seeing was that kind mm. of inspiration porn kind of content, and what I needed in my life was somebody else to go like this is really shit and we can't do anything about it like do, do you want to go to the pub <laughs> yes please the answer is always yes <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's. I just think it's really nice. I've always. Uh, I I used to be a server in college and work at delis and was really into the food industry. And this was even before my diagnosis. And I always had this this mantra that if I could make one person laugh or smile a day, I was doing something good. And now mm -hmm. that is just amplified. And I've been able to accomplish that and do that and make people laugh and smile and cry happy tears with my work. And it's just, you know, even before I ever started my writing career or anything or my mental health journey, I always wanted to help people. And now I'm doing it. And I, I look back mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, the Tyler from 10 years ago would be so proud of how far I've come despite the setbacks and despite the obstacles that I've I've had in the way he would be you know smiling at me and saying good job I knew you could do it see Absolutely. the Alice from 10 years ago was not a very nice person and she'd be like bitch you need to lose two stone <laughs> oh do you know what I would do to Alice 10 years ago I would just sit there eating boss I go this is really nice this is like it's, it's some cheese <laughs> eat some cheese babe everything's gonna be all right it's fine <laughs> uh the last point i'll make on this is that you know for, for me it's it's not all about winning awards and and getting recognitions and accolades it's the difference you are making to your community and i think that's something i think we can all agree on that it's nice to get awards and it's nice to have a nice pat on the back and a nice evening out to get an award and dress up nicely but it is so nice to be able to go i've you know we're part of this community and we've done this for you not not for me basically i mean it would be nice if anybody wants to give us an award that'd be lovely thank you um but yeah <laughs> it's not all about that I was going to ask, Tyler, you've, you've talked about um, some of the content that you made. You said you've got several books and a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your what your books are like? Um, I know you said that you've wrote, you, you started off with a novella. Yeah, I started with a novella, Not Alone, which is based on uh, my true events surrounding my mental illness the journey that I went through and how I was able to overcome it with the support system and the help that I got from my friends and family. I recently rewrote that into a full-length novel. It came out in October of 2023. Um, and I've also written a poetry collection, Coffee, Alcohol, and Heartbreak, which I wrote from 2012 to 2016. Uh, whenever I was undiagnosed with mental illness to my uh, final year after diagnosis, whenever I met my wife and kind of it goes through that transition of being undiagnosed to diagnosed to, you know, kind of a a, a complete circle, um, you know, you're the top of your hierarchy. And so that one was published in 2020. And then 2021, I released The Seeds of Love, Sunflower Kisses, book one. That's about a mentally ill young man who falls in love with this girl who lives about four hours away and that goes through their journey as a long distance couple. It is the first of a five book series. I'm currently working on the second book, Love and Growth, which I'm hoping to have come out in 2024. Um, but depends on if I can get it done in time. I also have The Principal's Principles, which comes out in March of 2024. That one is uh, inspired by my grandmother. It, she was the I first... I thought you might say that. Yep. She was the first female principal in mm -hmm. the late 80s in a very rural county. Um, so the book kind of 
follows this principal who is the first female principal in the late 80s in a very bigoted town and goes through some of the obstacles that she goes through. Um, while the story is based on fake events, um, the main character, Wanda, is my grandmother up and down. It's exactly how I <laughs> imagine my grandmother would have been. Um, and then I've got Potent, which is a Enamored Echoes book one. It's a fantasy book, and it is about uh, it's a retelling of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. So it follows Oberon and Titania, and Oberon is actually schizophrenic in the book. Um, in the outside of the fairy kingdom, so they we put them in the modern world outside of their fairy kingdom, and he is schizophrenic in the modern world. So I followed some, um, you know, a little bit of mental illness in there. And then we are coming out in September of 2024 with uh, the second book of the Enamored Echoes series, Time and Tide, which follows Blackbeard and um, Anne Boney. And Blackbeard has PTSD. So I really try to incorporate, you know, be inclusive with all of my characters, you know, as far as mental illness yeah. and showing that they can accomplish anything and you know, still, and I, I really like the idea of potent having um, Oberon, you know, a mythical ruler, a mythical god of the fairies, having this this mental illness and showing people that you know even the gods can have their mental illnesses. I, that sounds fantastic. That sounds absolutely yeah. right up my street. I am, I am in the process. <laughs> I can see your face. Of... You were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the process of uh, binge rereading Terry Pratchett's Discworld, um, and wow. uh, just just finished. I I started it when we recorded an episode for our disability technology series that we released in October 2023. We recorded the episode at the end of September. We are now mid December. I have just finished book fourteen. So when How I say binging. <laughs> <laughs> Pratchett books, uh, Discworld books, yeah. 40 odd. So I've got a while to go, wow. but I, wow. have, I have done 14 in six weeks. Wow. Um, so yeah, That's like I said, going, when I say right? binging, I mean really, really throwing myself in. Um, yeah. But the one I just finished is his kind of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream uh, retelling. So I've, I'm definitely interested. I may have to, to dig your book, your Enamored Echoes series out. Yes. Either. Let me know. I'll send you a copy for free. How about that? Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All our Christmases have come up once there. Look at that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, you're doing better than me, Alice. I am the last book I read. Uh, I, cause I, I, use audiobooks now because my hands are just terrible and can't hold a book for too long and uh, I must have read chapter 16 of this book at least 14 times because I put it on when I go to sleep and then wake up and we're halfway down the book and then I have to go back and like <laughs> reread the chapter again so it's taking me forever to finish this book I will get there in the end it's like I must stay awake must stay awake I can't help it's like somebody reading a bedtime story I'm like just nod off to sleep but you're doing better than me See, I, I've managed I've managed to find that happy balance between having nursery rhymes on just quiet enough yeah that the baby can hear yeah. the nursery rhymes but the, my audiobook are just loud enough that I can hear the audiobook. <laughs> nice, so nice. That's how I've got through it. 
I means baby listens to 14 hours of nursery rhymes a day. But... <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all right. But yeah, no, I um, I, I think stories are a, a great. Well, I just think they're good. Like reading and everything. Like, I found a new love of reading since I started using audiobooks because I couldn't hold books anymore. And I was getting like more and more fed up that I couldn't finish my book because I couldn't hold the book. And I just thought, why am I why am I putting my poor hands through this when I can just have it on in my ears and like listen to just it? Just press play. And I yeah. found a new Yeah, I found a new love of like I've finished so many more audiobooks now, despite the fact I fall asleep <laughs> when I'm listening to them. Uh, than I have ever finished like books. I, I would read a book like Christmas, like once a year, maybe when I got time to like sit and read a book. Whereas like now, I just stick it on at night time, and I'm finishing so many more books than I ever would have normally like read a like read a traditional book. It's amazing. I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, no, it's great. And you were saying that you ha- also have a podcast, Tyler. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so I've got a podcast called Cook the Books where my um, vice president of marketing at Tea with Coffee Media and my best friend, Kelsey Ann Lovelady, and I host. We talk about different publishing trends, writing trends, hot topics in the writing community. Um, We have guests from our company on. Uh, and I also have a couple of blogs. Um, one of them is tylerwitkowski.com, which is where I blog about mental health, writing, travel, and uh, marketing. And I also have Adventure with Coffee, which is my wife and I's blog as we travel across the United States. So it's our travel blog. We give RV tips and tricks, um, tell about the history of craft beer and craft coffee, We do blogs on our different destinations, campground ratings, um, you know, listicles, all kinds of things. Sounds right up my husband's street. Mm -hmm. Whenever I uh, walk into the living room, he's got YouTube up on the big TV and it's either somebody's travel uh, show or some kind of coffee making show. So uh, I think you'll take plenty of Who knew there was such a thing? (laughs) Honestly, coffee, coffee, like artisanery uh, on youtube yeah. yeah it's like it's like a whole like weird dirty little corner of the internet <laughs> that nobody knew existed wow <laughs> that's very that i mean we do a disability podcast and we thought we were niche do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Cro- crikey <laughs> Um, this has been really interesting, Tyler. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been really nice to talk to you and and hear about your journey. And um, yeah, it's been kind of quite thought provoking talking about that kind of uh, different experiences. So thank you. Absolutely. Alice, Lucy, thank you so much. It was so fun to have this conversation. It was oh, okay. very genuine and I'm sure we're we're going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives together. Oh, I yes, so. I hope, I I hope, hope so. So. <laughs> um, so you mentioned already your websites. Um, Tyler, do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, I am um, at Tyler Witkowski. And you can, the easiest way to find me on anything and all of my work, uh, all of my websites, blogs, companies, is to go to my link tree with linktr.ee slash Tyler Witkowski. Find me on my link tree and uh, you can find everything about me on there. Fabulous. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler.
and thank you everybody for listening we will see you on the other side bye bye, bye, -bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.